and he bought, I dressed like a hoodlum. Okay. Like, I mean, I dress like, um, picture, uh, ACDC or Van Halen or, you know what I mean? That's what I dressed like. Okay. Uh (laughs) And so he took me to this men's store and he bought me brand new clothing, which we were really poor, Scott. Okay. Five kids. This is several, you know, 10 years into my mom's problems. Um, and bought me a whole wardrobe of clothes. And he said, well, I don't know. I mean, this didn't make any sense really in hindsight, even to Pat, when we talk about it, but he just said, Hey, you know, start here, start looking the part, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't that, as a matter of fact, I hardly wore those clothes. It was the gesture, you know, he had spent, it was like 200 bucks. And in 1984 or whatever, 83, when this was, that was a lot of money to me. And I couldn't believe that he had done such a generous thing. And then he later, I went to drug and alcohol treatment and then he led me to know Jesus. And that's what really when my life changed. Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics. And each week, it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights, or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me, but with one very simple goal in mind, to help you outperform. Your time is precious, and I want to thank you for spending it with me here today. But just one small ask before we get started. If you find value from this podcast, the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review. Also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. Once again, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. Rob, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you? I'm good, Scott. Nice to see you today. It's great to see you as well. I'm going to ask you the first question that I ask all of my guests. What does it mean for you to outperform and how do you define outperforming in your life? Okay, well, that's a great question. Um, You know, for me, um, I've always been, you know, this kind of extroverted uh, person and uh, I've worked in service uh, business since I was 14. I started bussing tables and and uh, working in retail then for about 25 years, both at Sears and in my own company. And I think one of the things that really sticks with me in terms of my experience and that really jazzes me in terms of performance is when I can when I can when I can deliver service that's above and beyond what somebody would expect. It's like they couldn't have dreamed that it were to turn out that way. I know that's happened to me, and I know I've seen that happen with my customers and my clients and even my you know people that I hang out with. So. That's that's when it that's when it really is a good performance. Yeah, I love it. Um, so, can you take people through your background a little bit? I mean, you said twenty five years in retail. Um, it just it give me kind of the scoop on how you arrived to be the Rob you are today. Yeah, well, that's that could be a long story. So I'll try, I'll try to make <laughs> hey, it short. You, you go as far back as you want to. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, thank you for that opportunity. Yeah, so I. So, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, you know, that uh, about me is that 
is that uh, people don't know this, but you know, I had a very, very troubled youth. Okay, so I will take you all the way back just briefly, but mm-hmm. but I grew up in in an uh, intact home. I have four siblings, so there's five kids. Dad's a school teacher. Mom's a, a stay-at-home mom. Obviously, this is in the '60s, you know, and '70s when I grew up. And uh, at, at about age six or so, my dad, who was a very prominent high school teacher in North Dakota, where I grew up, had a nervous breakdown. Okay, so if you can imagine mental illness in the 70s, that it just blew up my family. And, uh, and it, it never really got better. I mean, obviously, as we age, I remember when I was in my 20s, and after I was married, I was able to establish relationship with my dad and he could got on some medication that got him some normalcy in his life, but it was literally 20 years of, you know, craziness for him. And then of course that impacted our family. So obviously adversity, right. Um, but out of that adversity, really, um, God, good news is God got a hold of me young. So when I was just a kid, I was rebelling. I was getting into drugs, getting into drinking, getting into chasing girls, you know, all the things you might do in my early high school days. And uh, anyway, God got a hold of me then. And um, I got to know this guy named Jesus. <laughs> and it really changed the trajectory of my life. Okay. And I tell you that because my life was headed. I mean, I could tell you some stories from my friends from those days and where they're at today and kind of, you know, their lives haven't turned out so well. So I feel really blessed that, that, that I had that experience early in life. So it didn't really impact a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So then my new trajectory was, okay, now I buckled down. I finished high school. I decided I was going to be a youth pastor. I started working at Steers, okay, part-time. And I, and I finished a I had about three credits left to finish a degree, and it, it's a long story, youth pastor to psychology, but I was about done with my degree, and Sears kind of looked at me, and they said, hey, you know, we have this uh, kind of, they called me a high potential, Scott, if you can believe that or not. Um, I can believe and, it. Knowing yeah, what I, I know, know about, about you, that. I can and absolutely I was, believe it. And I was about to graduate, and so, so uh, anyway, with only six credits to finish my degree, I took a leadership job and got on that track with them. They helped me finish school. I spent 11 years there at Sears in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and it was a world-class education. Sears was a really great company back then. The store managers were, they had MBAs, okay, to kind of compare to today's world in terms of retail and where things were at. Um, So I had multiple different assignments, different things, great experience. And then in 1999, my brother, that, that, that January, my brother called me up after Christmas from LA and said, Hey, I just made a bunch of money selling cellular phones over, you know, in these kiosks down here in California, in LA. And I was like, nobody's doing that in Minnesota, you know? And so, yeah, so I, uh, I said, let's do it. You know? So I flew down there in April and looked at what he was doing. Cause I kind of thought kiosks were rinky dink, you know, this, this I was, was in 99. This is in 1999. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's right. kind of a so good time to get into the wireless yeah. industry. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> yeah. I so anyway, so I, I flew out there and he had already been doing this. Not, my brother remembers burning NAM chips into the car phones. And I mean, he was in it in the eighties. He was selling these brick phones and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's actually 11 years older than me. Yeah. But anyway, so that, so that was, we did, I met down there in April and by July we had opened our first store in Minnesota and we partnered and created a company called Shock City Cellular. And we grew that company over the next um, about 10 years from one location in Burnsville, Minnesota, to 55 locations across five states. 
At our peak, we had over 250 employees and uh, did about, uh, I guess, 25 million plus in sales per year. And so I'm only saying that not because that's a high performance deal, but it was, um, you know, like above and beyond, like, you know, like I mentioned, like I, I had no idea, like that's where my life was going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so it, we did that, that, and then, uh, in 2008 and nine, when the recession hit, we did uh, pivot a little bit. So we, <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like the trajectory was like this, cause it was more like this. Mm-hmm. And in 2014, we sold that business. And that's when I started doing the work that I'm doing now, which is I consult with businesses and basically coach entrepreneurs on the uh, people side of business, because that's really what I love. So that is a fantastic yeah. story on so many levels and, and very, very well told, if I must say. Well, thank you. I, I try to make it short. Yeah. So. No, no, it was great. I mean, there are so many things that I would like to go back to in that story. And you can tell me if um, there are any spots that you don't want to go back to and you don't want to answer. But I am curious to go all the way back to you said you were six years old when your father had a nervous breakdown. Well, I don't really remember the, that, the break. Okay. I only know the stories that were told me because there's a lot of that time, I think it was very traumatic that I don't remember (laughs) literally. I mean, I'm kind of thankful. I don't remember because it's like my brothers and sisters will tell me stories and it's like, I'm glad I don't remember that, you know? So. Well, and I I guess what I'm most curious about is kind of what, even if you don't remember it, I guess the aftermath of that, and I don't know how many years we're talking about um, before you found this guy named Jesus, who's, who's a very good guy. I know him well. I'm sure you probably know that my brother is a Franciscan friar, um, yeah. but I'm just, I, I'm very curious kind of, I mean, was there for lack of a better term, a rock bottom point or something that happened where you just said, you know, I've got to take my life in a different direction or what happened to take you away from, I think you said alcohol and drugs and some different things to just get you on a better path. Yeah, that's good. I, yeah, I definitely can point to that. So, so when the break happened, obviously as a kid and, you know, and then there was a lot of trauma throughout the, and that's when I rebelled. Okay. And I didn't really understand what was going on. And, you know, it was a different time. So you didn't talk to your kids about stuff. You just kind of stuffed it, you know? And so that's why I got so sick. You know, that's why I got, you know, started rebelling and started kind of medicating with these things. And so the, the way that the, the, the trajectory change happened was, I literally got arrested several times and in the one arrest, my mom happened to be out of town and my sister and her boyfriend came and picked me up at the, at the lockup, you know, cause I'm a minor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so the next day her boyfriend who later became my brother-in-law took me to out for lunch and he was like mid twenties, Scott. So like 25 years old. He already was a part owner of a real estate company, was doing real estate development, just a really, really, if you could think of the world's success, he was headed in that direction already at age 25. And I really, I I knew him a little bit and I did look up to him. He was a really nice person. I knew there was something different about him. And he took me to lunch and he, he said to, he said to me, he said, you know, Rob, you know, you can do anything you want with your life. And, uh, and he, he kind of, I might tear up here, <laughs> but he, uh, he said, you know, you can go this direction that you're headed and, you know, there, you can kind of see where that's going to lead you, <laughs> you know, cause I was, I was a pretty smart kid. You know, I wasn't the dummy, you know, mm-hmm. I was the, I was the kid instigating all the trouble we would get into and, you know, 
And anyway, or he said, you know what, there's this other path. And he said, if you want to go down that path, he says, I'll help you to, to take the chain, to make this change. And so I sat there and, you know, I'm pretty spontaneous person still am. And I said, you know what, I want to go the better way. (laughs) I'm like, I want to go that way. And I'm like, I don't know what that looks like, but I'd love it if you'd help me. You know, that was kind of a cathartic moment. I had, it was kind of a down place, right? I had just gotten arrested. I was going to have to go through all this stuff. And so then he proceeded to take me to KG men's store. I'll never forget this. And he bought, I dressed like a hoodlum. Okay. Like, I mean, I dressed like, um, picture, uh, ACDC or Van Halen or, you know what I mean? That's what I dressed like. Okay. Uh And so he took me to this men's store and he bought me brand new clothing, which we were really poor, Scott. Okay. Five kids. This is several, you know, 10 years into my mom's problems. Um, and bought me a whole wardrobe of clothes. And he said, well, I don't know. I mean, this didn't make any sense really in hindsight, even to Pat, when we talk about it, but he just said, Hey, you know, start here, start looking the part, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it wasn't that, as a matter of fact, I hardly wore those clothes. It was the gesture, you know, he had spent, it was like 200 bucks. And in 1984 or whatever, 83, when this was, that was a lot of money to me. And I couldn't believe that he had done such a generous thing. And then he later, I went to drug and alcohol treatment and then he led me to know Jesus. And that's what really, when my life changed. So. Is that the first time in your life you can really remember someone believing in you and saying to you, you know, you can go down a different and go down a better path than the one you're going down. You know, it definitely was the first time somebody was really honest with me, I think about I, you know, I didn't feel very good about myself. (laughs) My dad's crazy. You know what I mean? And pretty publicly crazy too. He was a high school coach, you know? Uh, and, uh, well, and then all the mental health too, which, yeah, I mean, that was, nobody understood that the the stigma behind it. Um, No, there was a terrible stigma. So yes, I think you're right, Scott. And, and uh, obviously there was, there was many things that worked there, but yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to, you know, some of the work that you're doing with people now, but I think that is what we do as leaders um, in a big way is sometimes just believe in people when they don't believe in themselves. And we all have stories about somebody, whether it was a coach or a friend or, um, you know, teacher, mentor, parent, whoever it might be, but somebody that just, you know, saw something in us that maybe we didn't see at the time. Um, Yeah. Can I just comment on that too? Just think about this. 25 years old, he didn't know what impact he was having on me. I'm telling you. You yeah. know what I mean? All he did was try to do something. And I yeah. think that that's a great message for us because sometimes we think, well, what could I do yeah. to, to help somebody who's maybe struggling or to needs a little leg up? Just take some time with them. You never know what's going to happen from that encouragement you give. So it's very good. Absolutely. I 100% agree. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit. So you go on and and you're doing your Sears thing. And I'm curious to get to uh, the cellular phone part of it, where we're looking at about 1999. And and you don't go from, you know, you, you said you went out to California, and that's where you started. Well, no, I went out just to see what Don was doing. That's where he lived. My brother lived out there. I lived in the Minneapolis. Sears had brought me here to Minneapolis, where I live now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was making... (laughs) 
you know, just a, you know, I was just kind of, I was going to be the CEO, but I wasn't quite there yet. Okay. Scott at Sears. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, yeah. And, you know, there was some really cool things that happened in that transition too, is the store manager that brought me out of Minot, my hometown to, to Minneapolis. And, you know, kind of, there was a group of men that kind of helped me in, in my career at Sears. Mm-hmm. Well, the store manager, he was, when I told him, I thought he was going to, you know, be upset. He was like, so encouraging. He was like, you know, go get him, Rob, you know, and uh, we're still friends. You know what I mean? Like he just, and he's quite a bit older than me, you know, he's probably yeah. 20 years, my senior. So anyway, that was really helpful as well. That's, so. that's awesome. So uh, you don't go from just starting that out to growing it to uh, 55 stores. And I think you said, um, you know, 25 million in sales, et cetera, et cetera. What were some of the things that you felt like were most instrumental to that growth? I mean, were you just faking it till you make it? Or like, how did you, how did you do that? Well, I know you shared some of the questions you might ask with me. One of them was what, you know, what would I tell 20 year old Rob? Okay. So there would be a whole book we could write about what I would have told 30 year old Rob because I think I was 29 when we started, but, you know, really timing, you know, they say timing is a lot of, a lot of things. Okay. So we got into the wireless phone business in 1999. Don already had a pretty deep experience in 1999. So we had a lot of, and then, then there was this uh, algamation of Don's small business experience and my corporate, you know, kind of poly. I wasn't polished at age 29, but I certainly kind of knew, you know what I mean? Like they, you know, and I was being groomed, you know, to run things, you know what I mean? For lots of years, like seven years or something like that, I was in that track. And so it was just a really good partnership with me and my brother. We were in a really great industry at a really good time. And, um, and it was a race to see who could open their stores first, you know, and in hindsight, I mean, I should be a billionaire, Scott. Okay. But, <laughs> but, I'm, not, but I'm not. Okay. So why do, why do you say that? Or what? Because, uh, because what I didn't know, you know, what I know now, what I didn't know then yeah. those things, you know, if I could have, if I would have known those, that there would have been a lot different trajectory. However, I wouldn't change anything because you know, life is a, is kind of an adventure. And so and it's not about making money. Okay. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> I am curious. Yeah. I am curious on this question then, because this was literally going to be my next question. You've probably heard me say at some point, because you've heard me speak a couple of times, I believe there is no failure. There's only feedback. You know, we learn yeah. from our mistakes and the things that go wrong. And you just said you could have been a billionaire. When you look <laughs> back at, I mean, and like in my eyes, just looking at some of those metrics and what you did, okay, sure. Maybe you could have been a billionaire, but you were already very successful. But what were some of those things that some of the biggest mistakes that you think you made during that time? And what did they teach you either about people or about the business um, that you took forward into what you're doing now? Okay. That's good. Yeah. So, so I think the biggest lesson is, is that, and that I, that I did take forward or that I would take back there is that I moved too quickly. I was, I was too, I was in too much of a hurry. You know, um, I didn't balance pace with kind of wisdom. I didn't seek out enough, you know, enough wisdom from others perspective wise. Okay. Because you're kind of in, you know, if you, you got your head down and you're just kind of in the battle, it seems so, it seems so like 
elementary to me now, but when I was in it, it was like, you can't lose. You know what I mean? It's like going to the casino and you're guaranteed to win. That's kind of how you feel when you're 30 and you got this great thing happening, you know? And so I really needed to slow down. I really needed to have some wiser counsel. And then my brother and I, as good as we were together, uh, this is a lesson for partners. Oftentimes we would have good ideas that we would confirm for each other, but there were many times when we confirmed each other's stupidity. Okay. (laughs) And so your, your circle needs you just because you have a partner doesn't mean that you have all the perspective you need just because you have a leadership team for that matter. Doesn't mean you have all of the perspective you need. I think getting outside counsel, some of the best things we did were, I mean, I remember setting up our office with Boulay to a local company here in town is the best money we ever spent. I'm a consultant now. I'm not just saying that because of that, mm-hmm. but getting some of Rob's wisdom and that's how I, I'm applying it to what I'm doing today. It's got this kind of like my heart now. It's like, I want to get a hold of that young entrepreneur and, and, you know, not, not, I do consulting work, but, but you almost have to coach through that because you, if you don't learn it, yeah. it doesn't really stick. I can't just tell you what to do. You have to, just like you said, you have to kind of go through that experience. Yeah, That's why I love coaching. That's why I've chosen this, this kind of way of approaching consulting. So to transition to what you're doing now, did you always kind of know in the back of your head, whether it was with Sears or or after that fact, did you always kind of know in the back of your head, I know that I'm going to want to do coaching and consulting with, with, with people on the people side of business or how, what was the evolution of um, getting you to where you are and deciding to set up your own shop? Well, that's a good question. Um, they, it isn't what you think. So when I, when, when Don and I sold out of my business, just like I said, I should be a billionaire. We're not. Okay. We got out. Okay. We got out at a time when the industry was consolidating those kinds of things. I, I was 40, was I 42? No, 46, I think, or something. I mean, I was, you know, mid-career really, you know, in terms of I had a lot of runway left. And so I always thought, well, I'll just buy another business, start another business, just keep doing what I'm doing until I get it right, you know? And then I sold the business in 2014. I did a little bit of work for a friend, uh, a consulting gig, I guess you could call it, in this, in the early part of 2015. And then May of 2015, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so God's timing, I didn't have a runway of the rest of my life, but I had a short runway to do some things. So I decided to caregive. It was a pretty serious case. One year of hell, which they kind of prepare you for in that battle turned into two. She ended up getting heart failure as a result of the chemotherapy she received, almost lost her in 2016 to, to a heart, uh, cardiac arrest. If she wasn't in the emergency room, she was literally on the table in the emergency room when she went into cardiac arrest. If she wasn't there, she'd be dead. And so the good news is she was there. The second good news is, is that she had the best care in the world in Minneapolis. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went down to the U of M we spent a month in the ICU down there and they, they, you know, got in the surgeons and people got her heart pumping again. And today she's doing quite well. And so that shuffled my deck, Scott. Okay. Um, I, the things that mattered to me before, I mean, and I talked about the one cathartic experience I had when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. 
but you know what, our, our values still aren't always, you know, they always are evolving, right. And moving in hopefully a positive direction. And I really think that was a really positive change that happened to me. I, the things that I used to care about, you know, I just am naturally kind of want you to look at me, you know, Hey, look at Rob, look at how cool I am. You know what I mean? Like, you know, look at my big company, look at how much money I make, you know, look at my big house, all the things that people think measure success that changed. It literally changed. And I kind of, I knew it wasn't right, but I really knew it wasn't right after I almost lost my family, you know, and my, and my wife who I've been married to for 35 years. So, yeah. Yeah. I I like the phrase that you used before it reshuffled my deck. I I think that's, that's a really good way. I think of looking at it. We all have things like that. I mean, you know, losing my parents in the last handful of years, both of them and you know, with their own struggles and everything else. It certainly reshuffled my deck and redefined how I looked at success and thinking I need to have the biggest business and be on the biggest stages and look at me and just, you know, there's there's a lot else that is extremely important in life that can get overlooked. Um, and I really like that phrase, reshuffle the deck. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I'm a consultant. I mean, because I don't think I would have, it wouldn't have been big enough. It wouldn't have been, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to be the best, most recognized consultant, because that's just like, God just made me like that. Like, I just want to be the best. But it's okay that I'm that I'm helping, you know, in this different way. Now, it doesn't have to be this grand, you know, thing, you know, Yeah, and it's just it's not your number one priority. So I, I yeah. completely, I, I yeah. totally get it. So speaking of the consulting you're doing now for people that are listening to this, uh, can you give me a little bit more perspective on the type of person that you like to work with, size of business, industry, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, the my favorite person to to, to meet and to work with is is a is an entrepreneur that has something started. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, if I meet them too early, they don't know they 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 want to talk to me. If I meet them too late, they think they know everything. You know what I mean? Like, so, so like, I think that emerging and I'm not talking about age either. I'm talking about, you know, I've got a business, it's starting to cook, it's starting to grow. Mm -hmm. And um, what, you know, you, you know, one of the, the, my favorite quotes is uh, from uh, uh, Marshall Goldsmith, what got you here won't get you there. Uh And all Uh of those things I talked about, about perspective, that's when I would love to meet you. And so I work with companies, you know, I do have, you know, even solopreneurs that I've worked with before, but, you know, 50 to 500 employees, uh, you know, they're, they're, they got a high, a quick growth trajectory happening, lots of change occurring inside of their business. And uh, they need help uh, to, to, to just stay ahead of that. And, and, and so that they're not the lid on the organization, because a lot of times entrepreneurs, they keep hitting this ceiling. They don't really know why. And a lot of times it's related to themselves. Mm-hmm. And then once I'm working with them, I, I love working with the organization. So I'm maybe do maybe it starts with coaching with the entrepreneur, but then later it, you know evolves into maybe doing some training development with their team, with the leadership team, uh, helping to embed some cultural th- things that will make their make and maintain their culture in a way that they want. You know that's that's gonna performance culture is a term I use. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if people are interested in connecting with you, learning more about services and the consulting coaching that you provide, where would you like them to go either on social media, website, et cetera? 
Yeah, you know, I have a I have a presence on LinkedIn. I have a presence. I have a website, rev-advisors.com. Um, I mean, I'm very high touch, Scott, so they can call me <laughs> and my number's right God, on oh, the- God forbid we do that. Like, I know, we pick yeah. up the phone and we call someone these I'm, days. <laughs> I know, I'm very high touch. I'd love to sit down and have coffee, uh, you know, get to know you. High touch, low pressure. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, if, if you're thinking about a coach, if you're thinking about, hey, I could use some help with my culture and, and either maintaining it or developing it, just, you know, give me a ring. I'd love to hang, hang out, sit down and see what, see what's going on. I do free strategy session is like how I like to frame, phrase it. I, I take them through a questionnaire, get some thinking. It's fun. Yeah. 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 So uh, you are probably the first person I've ever had on this podcast that has said people can call me if they want to. Yeah. Are you comfortable with me putting your phone number sure. in the show yeah. notes of this episode? Yeah, you absolutely can. Yeah. Okay, so I will have. I, I might regret it later because yeah. there'll be thousands of people calling me. Yeah, be, be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Uh, but I will put Rob's phone number as well as his website, um, his his LinkedIn page, everything else, um, so you can connect with him there. Last question I will ask you because I'm betting you probably got one. You already brought up the what what guy you hear won't get you there quote. Um, but I love to always hear, you know, other favorite quotes that people have. And I know you're a person of faith. So this could certainly be a passage of scripture or otherwise, but are there any other um, quotes or passages that you live by or that are your favorites? Well, I love John Maxwell. It'll date me a little bit, you know, although I, I think Maxwell his stuff, is, no his stuff, is, it's, his it's stuff is timely yeah. or timeless, like you said, but uh and I'll probably get it wrong, but basically I know there's a quote or something that he kind of a mantra almost is that, you know, we, we can't, we can't, um, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't, you know, we can't add value to people until we value people. I think that's how he says it. Mm -hmm. And uh, to me, that is the highest value as a Christian, obviously love your Lord, your God as you know, with all your mind, heart, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So I think that quote from John Maxwell about reminding us that people are the most valuable thing and that the only way we're going to ever add value to them is to value them and like that, that I think is a great quote. I love that. I know a lot of Maxwell quotes. I don't think I've ever heard that one. So you yeah, it's on my, it's on my website. I think, I think I quote him value on to people without valuing people. Is that what yeah. it is? Okay. Yeah, something like that. that. I don't, I'm, I'm probably getting, you want me to look, I could look it up, but, uh, I, won't. It, it, but I mean, it, that's the gist of it. And that'll tell you a little bit about my personality too, is that I'm not chapter and verse, forget it. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I, my morning routine, I read the Bible through uh, every year yeah. and uh, I'm in year six. And so, but I could not tell you chapter and verse, even though I have a lot of stuff underlined. So <laughs> good stuff. Nice. Yeah. Well, Rob, on behalf of the entire outperforming audience, we want to thank you for sharing not only your story and going all the way back to um, the very beginning and how you arrived <laughs> to where you are, but also giving us some insights and business and consulting and coaching and people and value and everything else. Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Scott. Thank you. And to everyone out there. Always wishing you the best of health, happiness, and high performance, and keep outperforming. Have a great day. 
Hello, outperformers. Three more quick things before we sign off here today. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I understand how many different podcasts are out there, and I do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset. It is our most precious commodity. And I appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed, but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late. And if you would like to help support the Outperforming Movement and the Outperform Podcast, one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and give it a favorable review. And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more tools and tips and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit to resiliency and focus to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day, personally and professionally. Once again, if you'd like to access those free resources, head on over to scottwelly.com, S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.